Welcome to the Messy Studio, Italy edition, and today we're talking about meaningful abstraction. Many of our listeners know about the book that Jerry McLaughlin and I co-wrote, Cold Wax Medium, Techniques, Concepts, and Conversations. And also that from the beginning, we didn't want to just talk about techniques, and that's why we included the other topics in the title. And today we want to discuss why we find the concepts and ideas of abstraction important and offer some ideas about understanding and developing meaning in your own abstract work. So welcome, Jerry. Thanks, Rebecca. And recently, Ross and I did a podcast about the commonalities that abstraction has with other approaches to art, as well as its unique aspects. And towards the end of that one, we talked about the fact that there are challenges for artists working in abstraction. And that's what we want to talk about today, how to bring meaning, individuality uh, to your abstract work. And I think uh, some of the ideas that were brought up in the other podcast have to do with a sort of dismissal of abstraction as not having meaning, but we certainly believe that there's a great deal of meaning in it. Yeah, I think all you have to do is look at the fact that individual people, when allowed to just create on their own, create something very individual that is almost a personality of them. And to me, it's hard to not recognize that there's something inside that beyond random occurrence. If it was random occurrence, then to me, across the board, art would all more or less look the same. Yeah, and we, we just uh, finished or are finishing up today teaching an advanced workshop in abstraction with cold wax. And it's, you know, in any good workshop, you look around and every person has, even with the same sort of assignments or directions, taken it to an taken it to an individual interpretation and the range of things just even within one workshop is absolutely points to how much people are drawing from their inner world their inner experiences memories emotions and um, that's just what you said that that personal voice that we see is evidence that it's not random yeah. and it's and, it, and that it's deep and yeah. it, it goes into people's depths i think it's for me it's sometimes even though i've you know taught a lot of workshops at the end of every workshop i'm always just a little bit astounded that even though we're all working with the same tools you know we've taught the same techniques or covered the same things just like what you said how vastly different yeah. they end up being not a little bit different but vastly different yeah, as often, vastly different as people are and often you look at someone's work and say because you've gotten to know them over the week, mm-hmm. or you already knew them, and say, oh, I, I see aspects of who they are mm-hmm. in the work, and mm-hmm. it's coming through yeah. uh, in an intuitive way. Yeah. And so um, that's, I think for us, seeing that over and over just reinforces that. If you're approaching abstraction at the beginning, I mean, there's some certain things that you can do to start developing that, and we'll we'll talk about that later on, but I... I'm, I just kind of want to say at the beginning that I am sometimes struck by the strangeness that <laughs> of the fact that people equate imagery with meaning. I mean, this happens over and over, and this is the stereotype of abstraction. It doesn't have meaning because I can't see anything in right. it. And this is tied to such a literal way of thinking uh, and interpreting. It's, it's only one way we have of viewing the world. Yeah. And we were we were talking about this a little bit over coffee this morning that, um, you know, the 
if, if you and I are having a deep conversation, that's the meaning of the moment, not a picture of us having a deep conversation. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then you mentioned if you were looking out at a vast landscape, you could depict the landscape literally, right. but the feeling of it, of looking, of awe and majesty looking out at this landscape right. would be hard to bring even to the most realistic work. Yeah, because the, the, that tethering of just what you see with the meaning foregoes the experiential part mm. of standing and looking out. You're not just saying, oh, that, that horizon is beautiful. It's something more abstract and bigger that is not really tied to the landscape. It's tied to something inside of you that yeah. you feel. And I, th I think many, many artists working in realism struggle with that challenge and face that challenge and use their best skills to to bring this to the work and, and they yeah. succeed at times. And, yeah. and just as it's a challenge, just as it is an abstraction to right. bring true, sincere <clears throat> emotion and connection to the work. That's really not that different yeah. in, in different kinds of work. It's that desire to communicate what, what you're experiencing. So, so why does it become this sort of shallow labeling of things and the need I, I don't really know. Um, I don't think true true appreciation never um, stops when you identify the subject matter. If it's there, and you're really appreciating work, you you go into why the artist chose that subject, how they dealt with it. If the sub if there's no identifiable subject matter, it's the same thing. Why yeah. have they chosen these visual elements? What are they doing with them? It's it's an interesting experience that it's a shift visually, so that. You know, if you hear music, and it doesn't have to be recognizable music, music you may have never heard before, mm -hmm. or you smell something that you can't put a name to, you don't, it's not a pineapple or, or you know, mm -hmm. uh, a particular um, spice, but just a smell. Yeah. You just let yourself feel that exactly. and experience it without the need to identify anything behind it. Uh -huh. And somehow visually, people tether this idea that if I can't visually identify then I, I don't know how to make anything out of it. And I, I think as as humans in our brains, we do want uh, structure. We do want something we can grab onto. And maybe imagery is the most available when mm -hmm. we're looking at something. Mm -hmm. And yet I think most of us have also at times been caught in reveries where we're just looking at a pattern or something mm -hmm. and not needing to make it into something. Yeah, of course. And if I think that is a way for people, one way for people to get kind of past that barrier is remembering those times. For the artist himself creating a work, we see often in a workshop, a common pitfall is that when, especially when people are transitioning from a more realistic way of working into abstraction, the they themselves will see something emerging in the painting, say yeah. a tree or something, yeah. because of the process or something <clears throat> the paint has sort of done on its own, <laughs> and uh, and then there's this impulse to say, oh, there's a tree there. Well, I'll make it more like a tree <laughs> instead of, oh, I'm not sure I want any imagery in this work. I'm going to get rid of that. But it's that little hook, and all of a sudden the person has been pulled off 
the path that they were on with the work, which might have been a more direct expression of emotion or memory or something. And and they're on this totally different track. And, and it's a familiar track. It's, oh, yeah. I know how to make this into yeah. a tree. And so it becomes an easy way then to resolve the painting, yeah. but not one that has challenged the artist's um, ability to go past the image. And I'm not saying abstraction never has images. It certainly does. But I think when they're done intentionally as part of the meaning of the work, that's very different than being pulled along by something that happens to pop up. Yeah, I, th I think people sometimes get confused that this idea of intuitive, an intuitive approach, that the intuition is finding something in the painting oh, yeah. that is that is identifiable, instead of the intuition is identifying a structure or a color or a mark that's evocative, and then playing off that. We're not trying to intuit things from the real world, we're trying to intuit emotions or experiences or feelings. And I think sometimes people, you know, they take some time to figure that out. Right. Because the grooves in that path are deeply worn. Yeah, right? Very, very, very. It's easy to put, get your wheels into those, those ruts and say, oh, I, you know, now I know where, where this track is going. Right. And, and you cut yourself off and, and your work lacks continuity then because as that's really what's random mm -hmm. is when yeah. something kind of uh, just appears in the paint as a result of a process or something. And then randomly you decide it's going to be a face. Right. Then that creates that uh, creates a lack of continuity in your work. Yeah. Whereas, I, so I, I think intentions are such a big part of this whole process. It's something we discuss in our book. We talk about with students it's a process of just narrowing down or pinpointing what the qualities that you want in your work. Right. And these do not need to be very specific. In fact, if they're more general, it's, it's probably a more of a long-term part of you. Mm -hmm. and, and what you're trying to do is access those core mm -hmm. things that are important to you, your what, why you make your work, yeah. what what your values are. Yeah, to me, they're like the personality of, of your work, that the underlying core that in whatever particular painting or body of work, there's this recognizable you, just as when you move through life, whether you're having a good time or you're sad or you're angry, that outward manifestation looks different. But people who know you recognize that common personality mm -hmm. of you in mm -hmm. it. Um, and it's slowly changing, if you know, if, if at all. If but at all. If at all, yeah. yeah. I, I think, I look at my own um, one intentions that I wrote down probably about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now, and they, they've held consistent. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you brought up yesterday in class the idea that you can have intentions for specific body of work or, you know, a series that you're working on, that's a different thing. Yes. But these are the core things that make your work you. Yeah. And one of the, another pitfall I think of in thinking about abstraction as an artist is there is an emphasis on individuality and unique aspects of Absolutely. the work. At the same time, like any other form of art, if you look at art history, you'll see approaches to abstraction that have come up over and over again throughout art history. So 
expressionistic abstraction, minimalist abstraction, geometric abstraction. And it's perfectly fine to see yourself as part of that umbrella of ideas. In yeah. fact, it may be very helpful because then you can look at other artists that have worked in similar ways and feel that connection and uh, feel some influence. And it situates you in a way that helps you see what you're doing is part of a, of a history of a, of a um, connection. Yeah. It's like a cultural connection among people. You're part of something, but an individual within that at the same time. And it does create deeper connection. Yeah. And I, I have noticed when artists talk about their work and they don't really have that background, they can seem very lost and mm-hmm. very un, untethered, you know? Yeah. And if I say, well, you know, have you looked at the work of so-and-so? And if they don't, if they are not in the habit of looking at the work of other people that are in sort of the realm that they're in, it's sort of a, re- it's a revelation. Oh, yeah. I should, you know? Yeah. And those those influences, and I've, I've spoken about this before, but I think the number of influences that you can be open to enriches your work. If you're only influenced by one artist or two artists, it's a more shallow, you become more derivative, I suppose. Whereas if you're open to various influences, artists, other artists, as well as other things in your life, it becomes this interesting integration and mixture of things that, uh, and then these sources can come from anywhere. Yeah. And I I think it's important for people to recognize that being influenced by somebody doesn't mean your work looks like theirs mm-hmm. necessarily. That influence can come just from an approach or a concept mm-hmm. or something that isn't really obviously visually connected to your work, but something deeper. Than well, and that. that that exactly gets back to the fact that there is meaning behind the work. Mm-hmm. So if you look at someone's work and you and maybe you've read or understood that say they were influenced by their dreams. Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, that's that's a great thing. You know, I'm going to pay more attention to my dreams and maybe that will influence me. And we're often intrigued by people's process or background. And you're right, it doesn't need to be visual at all. In fact, if it is, that's kind of... I, I think aspects of someone's, what they do yeah. is fine. Yeah. But if you're really influenced by their entire approach, that's not very authentic because right. you're not that person. <laughs> right. That's beyond influence. <laughs> that's not really influential. That's, you know. And and I it's it's a shortcut. It's a way to say, oh, I can I can do something good without going through all the work that this person did to get there. Right. And so that I I think that's another way to start to work your way to personal voice is. Oh, being aware of your influences yeah. and what, how they actually work within you yeah. and how they may interact. Mm-hmm. So if you write them down or think about them, are there connections between the things that you're interested in that are coming through in your work? Mm-hmm. And how, how are you, are you expressing them? Are they even part of your work, even though they might be part of your life? And I guess as a personal example, in that respect, I've been interested in in archaeology for a long time. I think listeners to the podcast know this, not in a scientific way. I've never really studied it, or but it's the it's the emotional or 
the curiosity of the idea that there are things under the earth that we don't know about that are remnants of old civilizations. And I've worked on digs as a as a teenager. I worked on a dig. My brother's an archaeologist. So, and I, I've looked at the drawings that he's made on site, and all these kind of things are in there. They're somewhere in the mix, and they've somehow influenced the type of layering that I like to do, the type of digging and excavating of my surface and the old weathered surfaces I'm drawn to and all these things that's in the mix. And it's not, if I said my work is about archaeology, it would be really different work. That yes. would be one thing. It's not about that. But it's all these other, it's just yeah. a little bit of it. Right. And, and being aware of that kind of thing really helps enrich your work. For you, it may be gardening, it may be traveling, it may be many things, uh, and no one thing. Yeah. But to allow those things to feed your work in terms of the visual elements you use, in yeah. terms of patterning, maybe imagery, and it certainly can have a place if you approach it in an abstract way, not illusionistically, but um, just as a symbol or something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating approach that yeah. allows you to express your complete self, yeah. I think, in a way that oftentimes painting from reality doesn't. Yeah. I think, I, and I, I think kind of a, an overview of what we're getting at here is uh, your influences and your sources, the multiplicity of all of that is what you're really bringing to your work. It's no one thing. It's, right. it's, it's the examination of all the things that you really bring to your work. Um, both external and internal. Uh -huh. And I don't think you have to know those straight away. I think it's about the ongoing examination of what those are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the realization of something maybe many years into your work and then how that then even takes your work deeper or further. But it's about not just, uh, not just letting things happen without paying attention yeah. to what's going on inside yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, personal inner work that goes into all of this, mm -hmm. and it's challenging. Very challenging. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a very examined life, I guess I would say. It's something that you, you have to be pretty serious about, I think. That said, there are ways of working in abstraction that are very intuitive, mm -hmm. that people avoid thinking as they're painting. And I just I just want to include that because we're not excluding that way of working. That's no, very spontaneous. No, no, yeah. It sounds a bit like we're pondering everything very heavily and it goes into every piece. Not the case. It's more of the background. It's more right. of an understanding of yourself that you bring to the work. And it doesn't have to do with how it's actually executed. Yeah. And in fact, if you like to work spontaneously and intuitively, Everything we're talking about can help, can feed that. Well, that can be one of your one of the things that you say is my work is about kind of a physical spontaneity. Yes. At the surface. That can be one that of your be intentions. One of your things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't need to figure all these things out in order to write your intentions. Your intentions can simply be, uh, my work is a reflection of things that interest me, yeah. or something like that, and what they are, and. That, that you want that connection right. 
one of, one of my own intentions is connection. And I chose the word because it has multiple meanings. And at different times, it's meant I want to connect with the viewer. I want to connect with my inner self. I want connections within the piece, mm -hmm. you know, so that the work is unified. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a word that just struck me as deeply meaningful to who I am and what I want in my work. Mm -hmm. And that there were more than, there was more than one interpretation to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of concept I think that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, one of mine is dark. I want oh. my work to feel dark, but I've got paintings that are mostly or all white. And so that is not, dark is not the value. It's, it's something deeper. Than uh -huh. that. It's about yes. mood. It's about content. Yeah. And that, Another thing we talk about a lot in our classes, and I've mentioned in the podcast before, is this interaction of the way you do the work and what you want the work to mean, which is called the alignment of form and content. And when you when you do your when you write down intentions or think about intentions, we've been mostly talking about content here, what meaning you want to bring to your work, but but the formal aspects of your work can also be part of that, and such as exploration of color and that can be a basis of your work and often is when you look at certain periods of art history that's what was happening yeah and it's um it's perfectly valid yeah so there are you know so many approaches to abstraction but i think what we're trying to get at is kind of a core attitude for the artist to be to examine to be to be willing to examine your own inner impulses and ideas and emotions uh, to be looking for ways to communicate those. Yeah. And you, you need, if you're going to be an abstract artist, you need to be able to think in an abstract way, which means avoiding those very literal or obvious interpretations. And oftentimes, again, with students, someone will say, well, I'm trying to express this thing and they're over-explaining it in yeah. the work. And they're they're trying to include everything <clears throat> in the painting that will help explain the idea. Yeah. The viewer of abstraction, the appreciative viewer, doesn't really want to be told exactly what is going on. I think, I think it, <laughs> it narrows the experience of the viewer because you're tightening down the possibility of the layers and layers and layers of meaning yeah. behind what you're doing, the kind of more literal that you get, the, the more you're just feeding it to somebody instead of letting them peel back the meaningful things to them. Yeah. It's like, like so many things in art, it's this balance. How much do you say, how much do you leave open? Mm -hmm. What do you, what's, what do you need to put into the work so that you feel it's your work and it's connected to you but how much can you leave open? Open, right. And it's very challenging. It is, yes. You know, I, there's nothing easy about this. No, and you don't always hit the mark. I mean, no, you do not. <laughs> no, it's, that's very true. And oftentimes when you look at something that, as, as the artist, you think, oh, it's not quite there. It's because you've overstated something mm -hmm. visually mm -hmm. and you need to be a little more subtle or you need to veil it somehow mm -hmm. or pull back a bit. Um, it's... The biggest misperception about abstraction is that it's easy and all this, you know, stereotypical things people say, my kid could do it, et cetera, et cetera. And 
as as strange as it may seem, artists come to workshops sometimes with that idea yeah. that it's going to be easy. Yeah. Even though uh, most of the things that people say about abstraction that come out of not understanding it are not very complimentary. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. So uh, it's, it's interesting that people even understand, even hearing those things, they want to come to an abstract workshop with some expectation that it's not that hard. Right. I, I think the term is, is deceptively simple. When it's well executed, you look at it and you think, oh gosh, that must be so easy because it looks so good. It's come together so well uh-huh. that it looks like, oh, that must be easy. And like that takes a lot of effort right. and understanding to make it look easy. Right. And the, as an experienced artist has integrated so many things that the execution of the work can become very spontaneous yes, and very quick yep. and it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of um, uh, self-critique going into it or evaluation you might uh, an experienced person might paint very steadily for several hours and then step back and say mm, okay got to change this and that because yeah. that's the phase of looking at it and yeah. saying is it working visually and how's the composition? How are the elements working together and all that stuff? So there's that analytic phase, but it may be interspersed with a lot of just kind of flow, which is, that's the great thing that we're all after, right? That that flow, that energy that just comes from that integration of these various things we've been talking about. Yeah. But it takes, <laughs> it takes years and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And it's... It's exciting at the same time to help people as instructors, to help people on whatever part of that journey they're on, either getting them launched into it or helping people through phases where they've lost sight of what they're doing or they just want to advance it or make it on some deeper level. Yeah, I think, and and sometimes I hope, hopefully people are getting out of this some of what I think is just helping people organize in their heads the different layers that go into the complexity of abstract painting. It's kind of all swimming around inside of you and and, and you can get lost in the material, the tools, the techniques, the content, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And just sometimes to just have somebody help you say some things out loud and get it a little bit structured in your head allows you to start examining it with a little more purpose yes rather than just feeling like you're kind of trying to keep your head above water and all this stuff <laughs> right and 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 also to say a lot of this is intuitive absolutely and so you may be right now listening to this and, and your your abstract work is very strong and and yet you've never really examined it mm-hmm. and and i know people like this yeah and that's fine you know because if you're if you're processing all this on an intuitive level and able, you have a, a voice and your work is consistent and interesting and all those things, then you're a person who who intuits a lot of things and, are, and you're able to process it. That's fairly rare though. I mean, most people need some other kinds of processing like you're talking about, some interaction, talking to other artists, uh, writing things in a journal or sketchbook, yeah. collecting images, reading art history, to to have that awareness. Yeah. And I guess 
that's what we encourage. So uh, it is a big topic and it's been rather wide ranging discussion here, but it's uh, something we're very interested in, in helping people to sort of nail down a little bit more and to start to pick apart and be able to talk about. Because when people ask you about your work, to have something concrete to say yeah. in terms of your influences or the visual elements you're working with and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think any, <clears throat> excuse me, any field of art and expression, whether you're, you're a musician or a writer, you may come to it very intuitively and quite skillfully, but over your career, there's a maturation inside of you that allows you to examine this thing that you're doing mm. on a deeper level. And maybe it, changes your work or your performance or something, but it definitely changes your experience of it. And I think that's what yeah. we're all looking for. We're looking for an ongoing deepening of our experience with what we're doing. And to me, that requires examination and maturity yeah. that, that is intentional. Well, your, your, your word maturity, and I think kind of wraps it up really, is that as we grow as people, things we've done oftentimes without much thought mm -hmm. we start to examine yes. and we start to say what's that all about yeah what do we need to change yeah. how can we focus to make take the best advantage of our lives yeah. it's the same with art yes and absolutely as a as a process that goes on over the years so yeah. okay well that was <laughs> as i said rather wide-ranging <laughs> and hopefully helpful and thank you very much jerry for being on The Messy Studio. Thank you, Rebecca. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.